Coming up is our 37th episode. I went to a very sunny and nice place uh, for work. Matt didn't really do that much. He, uh, he and his wife got a cat. A uh, masterclass on how we shoot the way we shoot the life of a sports photographer. The UN, which is uh, angles. We have a very clear winner, a really a front runner for the overall winner for this year. Yeah, cross gunner. Bit of a uh, man dog love. Episode 37 is next. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! And ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building. Konnichiwa, this is Ryu Vocal. Aloha, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. Apparently, this uh, episode from Matt Cohen is brought to you from uh, Hawaii. Aloha and Hang 10, I guess. And if you haven't forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks, euros, and according to Matt, some bitcoins our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audio-visual entertainment, please click on the PayPal donations link on our website to show us how much you love us because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. News. News. Here news, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves because we like. I'm going to go first because I think... Because I think mine was actually a lot more interesting whatever he's going to come up with. Because at the dead of winter in February, I went to a uh, Caribbean islands island, actually. Just one. Um, it was, uh, it's called Curacao, and it is somewhere in the Caribbean. So it's about like two hours, three hours from Miami. Um, I didn't fly from Miami. I flew from Dusseldorf. There's a direct flight. So I was packed in with a lot of these pasty, big German people who were going there to um, check out the carnival, which is a celebration of, I don't know, I guess just not a reason to get drunk, I guess, really, that we don't really need reason to get drunk, but for them, they do. And I didn't really drink that much because beers were very expensive during that time, but we, I had some my beers myself. I mean, some beers myself. The reason I went there was not to go see the carnival. Rather, I and my, my work partner, which is not Matt Cohen, I... I kind of, I guess I cheat on Matt a bit. I have a writer friend. And uh, last year, as you may all know, we uh, went to Dominican Republic and did a story on baseball in Dominican Republic. This is part two of the baseball series. And this is uh, with um, the country of Curacao. Just long story short, because I don't want to really take up the entire time doing this. It was really interesting. From a photography perspective, I did the same sort of uh, portraits. I guess you want to call portraits, because that sounds really awful. But portraits that I've done in the Dominican Republic, because I'm going to keep on doing the same thing for all the Caribbean countries we'll be visiting in the future. As for the baseball pictures that I had to shoot, I have to admit it was very, very difficult because A, I didn't want to do exactly the same thing I did in uh, in Dominican Republic. I wanted to do it differently. So I had to really think what I I could do, what which what, what I haven't done in Dominican Republic 
And as you may all know, just trying to come up with different ideas, different angles, lights, and things like that for a sport, it, it becomes increasingly more difficult as you, you know, keep on doing it. So that was a really big challenge for me. It was fun. It really was fun, a lot of fun. It was like really condensed, packed one week of interviewing and going to see teams and whatnot. But it was really, really interesting to kind of just, you know, go like really, really deep into your um, your brain and, and pick out some different ideas that I, could, that, that I could use to do the actual shoot. So it was fun. It was interesting. It was very challenging. But I'm looking forward to the next place, which will be... I won't tell you because it will be a secret. So that was my um, February and part of March. Matt Cohen. Yeah, boring month. I uh, just <laughs> shot more basketball. Nothing was particularly good or particularly bad. It's uh, just kind of losing my interest in shooting basketball. But soon enough, it'll be rodeo season. You're not going to shoot uh, March Madness? No. no. No? That's the worst of all. March Madness Why? is the worst of all. Because, so this is not that relevant for most people, but it... A lot of do a lot of people do watch the NCAA tournament, so I think that might find this an interesting bit of trivia. At the arenas where the NCAA tournament is, they turn off the Wi-Fi and they turn off the data for cell phones and things like that. Why? You have to buy. Oh. Um, you have to buy a connection, and you can buy a wired one, or you can buy a Wi-Fi one, but it's several hundred dollars a day. Um, which makes it very, very difficult to both send your pictures on time and make any money. Basically, you could run somewhere in between games if the arena that you're at is near anything uh, to a Starbucks or something like that. But Christ, they do they run the games kind of back to back and ah, because they have multiple uh, games per day, don't they? When it was yeah, games. there's yeah in the opening weekend there's four on the first day and then two on the next day or something like that yeah um or four four and then two and two something like that but it's very demanding but it's the that old thing i mean it's it's like three or four hundred dollars or something like that to get a connection which is just you know you figure they're selling it's crazy 30 40 000 seats and all the concessions and the sponsorship money or whatever and they're soaking journalists for internet connection it's really it's ridiculous so yeah, not doing that. Okay. On that great, upbeat, fantastic note, um, we will be closing down news. Not closing down like forever, but just for this month. So we will see you masterclass. In masterclass, we pick a topic in sports photography and we serve it on a plate to your ears. You got something to say? Tell us at BigLensFastShutter.com. Before we get into Masterclass, just advertisement for us, really, or for you guys. Uh, we have a service called Critical Beatdown, which is a paid service, and we will critically critique your uncriticized photos. What it is that you have a maximum, uh, you can submit maximum of uh, 15 pictures, and Matt and I will go through them with a fine-tooth comb. Is that fine-tooth, fine-teeth comb? I don't know. It's a fine comb. You will be able to find out what your pictures probably are like at this stage in your career, what you can do with them for your next shoot, and basically a a very very thorough and very deluxe version only for catered for only only you training ground. 
So if you're familiar with Training Ground, this is a service that we do for free and we criticize your photos, but it's only about, what, one or I think maximum two photos per person, which isn't that much when you think about it. And if you want to get 15 photos uh, critiqued, that's going to take you about mm, seven months. That's uh, that's very long. If you want to skip the queue, really, and um, have it done. And we have we have gotten... Yeah, quite good uh, reviews from anyone who's who's been involved in it. You can choose to have it private, so only you will be able to see the video of uh, our critique. Or you can have it public, so everyone else can see what kind of photos you've shot and what we have to say about your photos. So if you're interested, please go to BigLensFastShutter.com and there is a PayPal link to the right where you can donate and have your photos critique. So that is Critical Beatdown and this is well this is uh this is masterclass this is the second part of a trilogy what we just named as a day of day assays for us a day off is a day off isn't it day off yeah. yeah a day of a sports photographer a trilogy it's like day of a sports photographer colon trilogy I think it was it was a user question. I forgot who it was that because it's two months ago. But if you go back to episode thirty five, you will probably know who the question was from. It's not that like I'm really dissing the person who asked the question. We just don't remember it. So it was wasn't it Simon? We'll say it's Simon. If it wasn't Simon, I'm really sorry. Matt Matt said Matt said it's all Matt's fault for not remembering who it was. But the first part of uh, the day of photographer is the preparation. So selecting gear and making sure everything is uh, charged and make sure you know where you're going and what time things start and all these things so pre-shooting so now we're going to kind of fast forward onto the actual shoot so we are now just imagine us well we're going to be both doing separate things imagine us arriving at the place with the gear and everything and you're going through the door to get your accreditation so matt cohen the accreditation procedure happens to be like what or credentials getting your credentials yeah there you go so i always like to get there at least two hours before depending on what it is um and this is to try and avoid a bunch of traffic or if you get stuck in traffic still have enough time to get there you want to know to the closest as close as you can exactly where you're going you you know they you don't just go pick your credentials up at the stadium or at the arena you have to know is it at the regular will call is there a special place for media credentials but that's you want to get there as early as you can and get those taken care of because if you're late sometimes they close the credentials sometimes they don't let you in after and even if you do get them then you've missed part of the time you're going to be rushing around so you want to give yourself a lot of time to get there in you know in enough time and get your credentials and then get to where you're going so i like to like i said get there about two hours early independent of anything else like i want to you know make sure that i have at least that two hours after that i want to go to the media room i want to make sure that i can connect to the wi-fi right away i want to make sure that my gear is secure and i want to get out there and walk around and see where the light's going to be um, if there's anything special that I can do or if I'm just going to be kind of managing. There are some places where 
the sun is, you know, if it's an indoor arena, the sun's not going to matter. If it's an outdoor arena and it's almost completely covered, then it's not going to matter. But there's some places where there are, the sun will come in through the grandstand and you'll be able to do some cool things with the light. It's nice to know when the sun's going to set so you can kind of backtrack and know when the light's going to be really good. Just walk around and find out where the good shooting spots are going to be and where you're allowed to shoot from. Uh, I can tell you from experience that I used to just shoot where I saw other people shooting from, but now I'm a lot more careful. I want to make sure that I'm actually allowed to shoot from that area. Uh, I'm not going to get into exactly why, but take my word on it, please. And then, you know, the part of what we were talking about last week or what I was talking about, where if I know that a lot of our listeners are, they leave their day job and then they go to shoot, the earlier you get there and the more time you can spend at the venue before then you can start to get in the mentality of shooting rather than in the mentality of whatever you're doing during the day. So I think that's a good way to use that time. Pick up a roster so that you know there, you know, sometimes there are changes, somebody gets injured, they call somebody up from the minors, they have a different number, you want to know who they are. Eat and drink water so you don't get dehydrated or hungry while you're shooting. That's really the worst and I can't tell you how many times I've been dehydrated and had to keep shooting because there wasn't any water around. You know, know your conditions. And if it's going to be really hot, you want to have some water with you so you don't have to go back to the place where you, whether it's the media room or the side of the field or whatever. So those are the the kind of pre-game stuff you want to do while you're at the stadium. Okay. Um, so well, hold wanna, on, hold on. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to repeat exactly what Matt said because it's pretty much, you know, this is exactly what I do. I get there two hours before the match, free for any event. Make sure you know how to get there because in most cases in America, you will take your car to get there. But in, in Europe, a lot of people that I know who take public transport. So make sure you get the trains right. You know exactly where it is. You have the map. If you're going to go to a, another country where you can't use data, then print them out or take a screenshot of your map. And yeah, like Matt said the whole getting your your accreditation um make sure that you have a copy of the fax or the email that you sent i don't but a lot of people do take them in case they say well we haven't received your request because then you can say well you know here i have it with me so have a look this is what you said and you sent an email back saying everything's okay blah blah and you can pick it up here yeah once you're in the first thing i do is get the bib and i just go out pick my place because uh, in football at least I need to pick a place uh, to shoot for the rest of the evening I'll probably switch sides if I want to but yeah I really want to um, make sure that I, I, I have the place that I want to shoot um, it really depends on the sport with this um, some places some things like American football it changes ends, so you have to kind of be mobile but in case of uh, football, soccer, it, they only go one direction for 45 minutes and they change. Any other things also for basketball, things like that, it go for one um, one way for a quarter and then it, that happens, what, three more times. So sometimes you can't switch, sometimes you can't switch. So you need to have a bit of a plan. And that is what is quite fun about sports. It's a bit of a do or die type of situation because... If you if you predict the outcome of the the match or the game, then you'll get all the really you know the good shots, which is the celebration and the goals and all that kind of stuff. And it is absolutely absolutely important that you do this because I think that that's kind of part of like a fun 
you know, being a sports photographer is you get to kind of, you know, predict what's going to happen during a game. You need to be flexible as well. Um, once you start shooting, if the, let's say, for example, the home team is uh, all of a sudden down, they, they go down uh, 2-0. So they're losing by two goals. At that instant, the, the next goal the home team is going to score they're not gonna get ha they're not happy because they're still down by a goal which means there won't be any celebration which means in my mind I'm just gonna wait on the away side and just let the away team do their stuff if they score another goal they'll celebrate but the home team won't until they are winning which is gonna be the third goal so the first two goals, I say, whatever happens, I don't really, you know, I could give a give a sh because I just, I, there's not going to be any, more, any celebration. So I'm just going to wait on the away side and let the, you know, I'm just going to take a picture of the away team um, coming towards me. If the match goes and they score a tying goal, then I have to decide which side I'm going to be on to hopefully catch the, um, the winning goal. And that's a bit of a crapshoot, obviously, because you don't really know what's going to happen. You have to see, like, okay, I believe it's kind of it's a matter of like belief than anything else, or you feel you kind of it's a it's a belief, it's a feeling type of thing. You'll get it right sometimes, you'll get it wrong, but that's that's how it goes. And if by all means, just when uh, Matt will probably start talking about uh, his game as well, but if the goal is scored on the other end, just you know you can't do anything about it. You really, really can't. So what you should do in that instant, really, is to go for the sad face of, ah, go for the, the maybe the goalkeeper celebrating because the goalkeeper will be closest to you because if the goal scored on the other end, the goalkeeper closest to you will be, you know, playing for the, the people that scored on the other end. So he'll be, you know, going up and down. So you have to really, you know, think about that. Maybe there'll be something happening on the sideline. Maybe the coach is very, very happy and maybe he's doing something. If he's close to you, you get a better shot than the person who's on the other side of the pitch. Same thing pretty much goes for any sport. And just mind you that what's happening on the other end of the pitch, however many times you will shoot from the far end, is not going to be that interesting because you're so far from the action. So nothing you can do about it. Make sure you switch gear immediately and think, or even before that, if the goal is scored on the other end, what should I do? Who should I shoot? What should you shoot? And you have to simulate that in your head and be ready for it every single time that happens. Don't give me this excuse like, oh, it happened so quickly. No, it doesn't happen that quickly. If you had it you know, simulated in your head, what's going to happen? You can predict most of the stuff. If A happens, then you have to do B. And that's what you should do, especially when you're shooting sports. There's a scenario, a base scenario already written up for you. You just have to follow it. And you have to be ready for it if something you know crazy happens. But in most cases, you'll be able to adapt your shooting, the subject you'll be shooting, depending on the results of the game. Matt Cohen. There, there just has to be. You have to be thinking all the time. So I don't generally have to guess which ends for when I shoot soccer. It's basically because I don't always need the winning goal. I need good pictures of all the players. I need you know a certain number of spectacular pictures per season or whatever but i don't if i don't get the winning goal if the winning goal is on the opposite side i it doesn't i don't care it doesn't bother me it'd be nice to have it but you can't be right all the time mm. but i am thinking about what i'm trying to do and it, it, if it's 
I'll line up on the on a different side if that's where this early in the season the the game started seven and it's already dark, but in the middle of the summer, then I'll shoot I'll shoot on the other side so that I can do something with the light. But for me, what I want to know is if I'm shooting a football game, I want to know is somebody trying is somebody is there a rookie in the game who's having his breakout game, or is there somebody that's getting ready to break a record? And it can be really easy to lose track of all that and all you're doing is just kind of tracking the ball and just shooting what's there but if you listen to what's going on in the sideline like generally there'll be sideline reporters or there'll be parents if it's a high school game or something and they'll oh wow I you know no idea this kid was this good or something and now he's gotten 20 carries for 200 yards and he's going to be the story like the whoever won the game is going to be that important as this freshman who didn't play a game ever before all of a sudden had a 200 yard game Mm. so you want to kind of keep your ears open look at the scoreboard know if a team is down by two points then you know they're probably and it's late in the game they're going to try and go for a field goal but if they're down by five points then they're going to need a touchdown so you need to keep thinking about the situation you need to think about what happens if there's a key interception and it goes the other way. Are they going to go for two? Or are they going to kick it? What we see, what produces these boring pictures all the time are, is the, just the complete lack of any kind of thought about what is going to be happening. So we talked about it in a critical beatdown recently where it's a lot easier to shoot football from the end zone because there's not going to be as many people in your way on the sidelines, the coaches, the referees, the chain gang, whatever. But you're also further away and you're going to get the same kind of picture over and over again. And sometimes you need to break out of that because you think something might happen or the team is running side to side more than they are end to end. All of this, these um, equations that are going on in your head, they have to be going on during the game because if you think about it after, it's just too late to get those pictures. So keep track of who's doing well. Think about what kind of pictures you want to make keep track of the score to know are they going to be running or throwing or do they need a field goal or a touchdown so you need to take advantage of your time during the game because otherwise it's just going to be over and you're going to say oh, i wish i would have paid attention to yeah everybody like you know as matt said it we you have to be thinking all the time the actual act of shooting is very reactionary because you are reacting to what is happening on the court on the pitch on the field on the racetrack but you have all the information at your fingertips through email or just by listening to what's going on, just like watching what's happening. You have to then like start assessing where should I be to get the best shot or what should I be doing to get the best shot. A lot of the time that we see your stuff on training ground or you went whatever, like all these things you uh, that you guys produce, it, there's not that much thought into it is you're just reacting to what's in front of you. But sports photography really isn't just reacting to what is in front of you. It is really thinking about and planning ahead of what is to come and what you where you should be to be able to get that shot. So be very, very aware. Uh, we're not going to be going to the actual you know, act of shooting because then it gets very technical and we've kind of gone through that on our blog posts and other pre, um, previous podcasts what really we want you want to be thinking is you want to be thinking really more than anything else about the game what's going on around you be really where like be, be aware of what is going on 
within the game, outside the game as well. So the you know the the managers, the trainers, the coaches, the fans, and make sure you have your antennas up. Make sure you know exactly what's going on, what is about, to, what could happen, and what you would have to do if that happens. Hopefully, these things would make you a better like that. That advice alone should make you a better sports photographer because most, like 90% of the photos we see, for instance, in training ground, there's no thought into it, like at all. Like, I don't really see any thought whatsoever in the pictures. You know, you got lucky, you, well, you didn't get lucky because your, your pictures are in training ground, but you didn't really think about it. Oh, you're just pressing buttons, you know? And it's not what it is. I mean, my do, my friends actually say like, oh, you know, you make money by pressing buttons. I do make money with pressing buttons, but I really think about when to press the button. You know, it's a matter of when and where and everything. I do press buttons, but yeah, it's a bit more involved than just pressing buttons. You have anything else to add in this? No, I just I just want to reiterate the thinking part of it because you could be, you know, the timing and the focus and all of that could be right on. But if you chose to be in the wrong place because you weren't thinking about where you were going to be and what might happen, then all the timing and gear and focus and all of that stuff isn't going to matter at all. You, the, the thought goes into where you're going to be and then the, the better you get at that, the better your pictures will be and anything will be better than just tracking the ball and pushing the button every once in a while, which is too much of what we see. Yeah, it is. So that concludes the Empire Strikes Back edition of sports photography i hate that title i made i i made that title as well a yeah. day of a sport a day in a, a day in the life yeah but i don't like day in the life or just a day maybe we just say called a day no it's crap okay okay it's a day of a sports a day of a sports photographer a trilogy i'm sorry if i come up with really crappy titles but i can't i can't be helped so um that's part two you guessed it part there is part three and that will be back in the media room or back at your office or back wherever you're just going to sit and stare at a computer screen for the next couple of hours. So tune in. So by the way, um, I will do a bit of a blur on Training Ground. Uh, Training Ground is part of the, the show that is not part of this show, meaning this is not part of the podcast, but it's a video. And what it is is that you submit as a sports photographer, you submit your invited or not invited self-sacrificial type of photos that are bad, like basically bad sports photography. And we will, Matt and I, will criticize you and your personality and everything else about you um, through your pictures. And this can be seen on our YouTube page, which is by YouTube.com, and you look for big lens fast shutter and you'll be able to actually find us if not just always you can always always go to our homepage, and there will be a link to our youtube stuff directly there so you should be able to actually find it Not only is you win a monthly themed competition, it is your chance to bask yourself in sports photography limelight. Listeners pit their photos against one another for a chance to enter the kingdom of BLFS. And of course, win a t-shirt while you're at it. If you want to play along, pause this podcast now. Now go to our Flickr uh, group page and click on this month's you win thread. Will you win? Find out now.
the uh, the the theme was uh, you, me, and angles. And um, what do you think? Uh, slim pickings, but still better than better than it's been it's always the pickings. last few months. <laughs> As always, there's some disastrous photos that probably will now get uh, what we call the um, the red. What do we really call? It? I just I just just realized that we can just the red paper. That means uh, you're out and you have to go and join training ground instead of actually being you win. Some photos should never, ever even be here at all. So I'm sorry about that. I'm having second thoughts about my third place. What's your third place? My third place is Alessandro Giori, the pool, pool cue getting ready to hit the cue ball. Okay. It is... I don't like the the kind of vibe of it it seems like a i don't know like a stock photo or something mm. it seems like you know something you would see on a stock photo site but that said he did get the camera right in there um between the stick and the guy's hand i like the shallow depth of field is actually in the right place on the cue ball instead of i don't know on the felt somewhere which you know we wouldn't be surprising but yeah i mean you know it's okay for third place that's uh that's Mine cool. isn't that one for third place, but I've actually chosen Bashar's basketball picture. It was between this and the skateboard thing. And skateboard thing, upon further review or further just having a look at it, really just again, it seems like a quite normal skateboarding picture. I really don't understand why it's so difficult for some of you to understand what we're trying to do or what we're asking for you to do. It's angles. So I want you to come up with a different perspective of where like which angle to shoot from like from down or from above or from really weird angle from the side like just angles it's not very difficult so Bashar has done it and I think it was like done last month and he was on a training ground I think something like that I don't know there's something wrong with it as you can probably see I the hand looks really fake unfortunately same thing like go like you know that we talked about on training ground Trading ground or like no, it was on um ah, it was on something else. It wasn't maybe on critical beatdown. But anyway, it was um reflection picture like on different surfaces. Like we see it on tuba, we've seen it on helmets. We appreciate the fact that you're trying to like have a reflection on try to take a picture of the reflection. But the thing is like whatever is reflected on that surface has to be interesting. And same goes here for Bashar's picture. The idea to shoot through the legs are good, but the the fact that whatever is happening through the leg is not particularly very interesting and also it is destroyed by the fact that the guy who is driving the ball number 11 is uh sort of kind of uh, with number 32 and another dude who uh the yellow dude is a guy from the opposing team yeah i'm kind of like you know uh, about it but you have to give it third place to someone bashar you see very very good and by the way bashar thank you very much for uh, letting people know that yeah if you're not invited to participate in you win, your your photos cannot be older than three months. I mean, uh, yeah, older than three months. You can't do that. It's the rules. It was like for a long time. Matt didn't put it in the last time. Well, it's been not, not there for a long time. But if you have been invited, it doesn't really matter if it's older than three months. It doesn't really matter at one bit. Because if I'm inviting photos, that means that I don't really see any photos there and you win. That uh, deserves you know, attention at all. That was my third and yours, second, Macon? That is my second. Um, mm. I, I guess I liked it a little bit better than you did. It is not Bashar's best work. 
but it is creative. I, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on at first, but I guess this is a guy that's sitting on the bench, and so Bashar crouched oh, down yeah. behind the bench. So that's, that's admirable. And, you know, I want to see more people doing things like that. Like, people think, oh, I need to get as close as I can to the court. Well, Bashar got as close as he wanted to to the court and then moved back a little bit because there was something more interesting to do. The problem here is that, yeah, it's just a kind of a typical play where all the players kind of lined up, but they didn't do it in a particularly interesting kind of way. You have the ceiling which for some reason is way too light I, I can't why would the ceiling be lighter than everything else i really don't understand that and then you have like the the bit of the stands and a sign in the background and you know there's nothing that bashar could have done differently to make this picture better he could have sat there for the whole game and maybe got a diving play or something like that but that's not really realistic and it still would have been in this gym where there's more light in the background than there is on the subject. But what I will say is that this is the kind of thing that you want to practice while you have this kind of access so that when you get to a place where it's a properly lit basketball arena where the ceiling is dark and all the light is on the floor, this picture would have looked a lot better. You know, with the lo- Instead of seeing the, the ceiling throughout everything, you would have seen a crowd they would have been in the dark and the court would have been really bright. So the having these ideas when you're shooting, you know, kind of lower level college stuff is good because when you work your way up and you're shooting the better at the better venues, this picture will just become better because of the place. So, you know, the again, it's the thinking. Like Bashar wasn't standing on the sideline tracking the ball and just pushing a button every once in a while. He thought okay, well, how am I going to make this picture look more interesting? And he's definitely done it. So it's it's not great, but it's on the road. My number two is Matt's number three. And that's the, 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 the you know, the pool thing. Yeah. Upon, further, <laughs> upon further review, I, I just have to check it again. I think it we, this one also deserves the Bashar treatment in that I wish the balls at the end of the all the blurry blurry balls you know would have been in a more interesting state or there was someone across the pool table doing something or something because as it is doesn't really it's not powerful enough to say okay you know it's a it's a great fantastic shot of a cue and a cue ball it really isn't i want to see a bit more drama in the whole thing and there really isn't one so yeah i think from perspective wise i I like it you know about what doesn't really you know what we don't really see or what we should really be seeing is a lot more drama on the other end of this shot which is the other balls as well as the other side of the the table so for those of you if you want something like if the I think when we say angles and things like that, we ask for something. Don't get satisfied when you take a shot of, of any sporting event um, by using a very funny angle. That's the that's, that's the entrance of this whole whole thing. Like you have to go further and take a good shot of using that funny angle. So just so you know, and probably Matt and I are gonna agree on the number one, Matt Cohen. What yeah, it? it yeah, it's it's J Rash has to be by far. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's a great shot. Like I saw it a bit bigger now. It's really really good. I mean, the lines, huh? Fantastic lines. Yeah, it's really. you know, 
it's kind of like it's surreal, isn't it, Ben? You know, it's kind of yeah. It's it's like what you're just talking about. There are overhead pictures, and then there are overhead pictures. Just because you get up on the catwalk and can shoot straight down, great. But it still has to be an interesting picture. And so, if you look at this, pretend that the wrestlers and the ref aren't even there for a minute, and you have the seam that's running through, mm. and it is exactly horizontal. That doesn't alone make or break a picture, but if that line wasn't exactly horizontal, it would break the picture. And then you have that the white line of the boundary there, you know, running from the bottom to the side. This isn't an accident. Like he pictures like this don't happen by accident. He planned this out. He composed it. He probably took a bunch of pictures and realized it's off by a little bit. So let me, re, you know, reorient my camera so that the edge of the frame is exactly parallel to the line and let me put the white line in a pleasing place and then but that's still not enough that still gets you a blank orange mat and what he's going for is an interesting picture mm -hmm. and what i like about this is it's totally disorienting you're looking at it and you can't it's really hard to tell which way is <laughs> yeah, up yeah, or yeah. down right, you know right, right. it's really surreal almost and then the the best part is like this isn't the most spectacular wrestling move that there is but what he's done is made something out of almost nothing but you know I, I understand that it's this is kind of a pivotal moment in the match because the ref is getting ready to um, put his hand down for the fall you know it is actually a peak moment the problem is that it's not you know in wrestling can get really kind of crazy and people can be flying and I don't know their eyes almost getting gouged out or whatever and this isn't any of that but the the way that the legs on both of the wrestlers and on of the ref are all kind of spread out like that is really something. I mean, because it's it's really just like if you had if you were trying to do a still life in your apartment and you had your camera on a you know like a reproduction stand and you had lights shooting in and you had whatever kind of background you wanted, and then you had like some GI Joes or something like that. Like this is how you would arrange it to make it look interesting. Mm. And he's done it on the fly at a live sporting event. It's so. a beautiful picture. Really, 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 really is. I mean, everything is so well balanced. Like all the leg move, uh, the positions and all the people who are in it, the lines that matter. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. It's rare because I like quite clean pictures with like a lot of negative space and everything. And, and I think it's so well balanced throughout the entire frame where the, the rest of the position and where the the ref is and all the lines and everything it's a great great i wouldn't have changed anything on this and mike i mean it's this could be it though we might have might as well actually yeah this is for uh, the rest of the year yeah right? i know really, it's, really, it's, it's this is really the, good this is gonna be hard the bar is set yeah exactly mm. the bar has been set really high for beautiful picture. the golden bits, beautiful so, i mean yeah, you should job. be you know jay rash you should be proud of it i mean it's, it's probably you know, again best work, huh? again this is somebody yeah this is somebody that's been with us for a while has clearly been you know listening to what we've been saying and trying a whole lot of stuff some of it didn't work some of it does work and this one really works yeah. so it's this it's satisfying to see this you know somebody who's come a really long way and a lot of it i think is listening to what we're doing and incorporating not to take credit for his picture <laughs> no it's 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 you who took it so we just only just say you know 
helped you 99% of the way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, really, honestly, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And everyone should have a look at it. And this is the reason why we tell you the things we tell you. So hats off to Jay Rash. Yeah, good stuff. So to participate, in case you you came wondering over here, you have no idea what the hell is going on. Um, you win is a uh, competition we have every month. We have a theme. And according to the theme, you do what you're supposed to do. Just take a, you know, beautiful picture according to that theme and you win a t-shirt if you get first place so j rash will be getting a t-shirt might be a second time to participate and you win go to flickr.com and search for a group big lens fast shutter find the latest you win topic or the theme follow the directions post your picture and pray to god that you win something and next month i have no idea <laughs> I haven't decided yet. So by the time this podcast goes up, uh, the theme has been decided. It's going to be up there. So follow it, participate. Yeah, make sure um, you give us some good photos to uh, talk about. And that is the end of you win. Cross counter. Think we only say bad things about sports photography? You say we got no soul? Not in this case. We're gonna prove you wrong with. Time to hold your fellow sports photographer's hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. Yeah, so, um, Sochi just ended without. Um, any sort of terrorist attack which I kind of thought it was going to happen but it didn't so I'm happy no one died um, Putin is a piece but uh, we're not going to get into that because you know this is a sports photography uh, show and not a political one but Putin is a piece anyway so uh, Matt Cohen what should we talk about just as a like kind of an accident I ran into this post of uh, pictures about the Iditarod which is a race through the frozen tundra of canada and alaska it's kind of cool because it's not as not like a major sport it's something that people don't really see all that much and i i like it not because of the action pictures but because of the kind of behind the scenes pictures when you like part of this race is that it's an endurance kind of thing so they race during the day and then they are off at night and the dogs get to sleep and then they go back at it. So this this one, uh, it's number four. It really caught my eye because it's uh, it's a I guess one of the driver. He's a musher, is what the drivers are called, and he is kind of hugging his dog, and his dog is uh, putting his paw on the guy's face. And I just it's it's a wide angle, so there's like context in it. There's like people around who don't really care what's going on right here. It's a really quiet moment between this guy and one of his dogs that has really nothing to do with sports other than the fact that it's in the middle of a really crazy sporting competition. How do you think it was shot and any sort of advice and things like that for the listeners out there, for someone who actually want to take a shot like that, you know, kind of like an intimate moment between... You need to... First of all, it's a fairly wide-angle lens, you know, maybe 24 that's I'm, I'm going to guess it was a 24. And so you you need to take advantage of the access where you can get it. Um, it looks like this might have been off limits to the general public. There, there does seem to be a fence on the right-hand side, and that guy in the background might be a guard. I'm not really sure. But at events like this, it is easier to get that kind of access because it's not 
like this guy is a truck driver during, you know during the rest of the year like he's not a superstar he's just you know some dude who has been sled dogging for a long time and so generally you can get better access when the competitors are not celebrities so i would say if it's a road race or a something like this just see if you can talk your way back there see if you can get credentials that'll get you kind of all access and just get as close as you can and look for things that are unconventional like a guy working on a sled okay you know a guy having a beer with another driver okay but this is like kind of the essence of it it's this guy is asking this dog to do crazy things he's running through frozen land for hours and hours and hours over many days maybe three weeks or something like that it's a crazy endurance race and this is just a really this is the kind of picture that you would show to people who say oh that you know sled dog inhumane whatever then you show them this picture and you'd say well you know that dog loves his owner so um for the moments and get as close as you can yeah I probably actually don't like this picture as much as uh, Matt does, but Matt, 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 and his wife just adopted a cat, so I think he's been on a on a bit of a pet thing, if you know what I mean. So he's feeling a bit tender these days, which is very rare because I mean, I think it happens like every like every every uh, Winter Olympic year, Matt gets a bit tender, and this might be the only time you might see him a bit soft. I like it. Well, you know, it's a dog. Well, everyone likes socks. Uh, mine is <laughs> it's uh, one of the shots from uh, SI um, best shots from the Sochi Olympics and I didn't really look at all the photos on this list uh, when I posted them on Facebook and now that I have actually gone through it there's not that many good shots we were having uh, some we were, Matt and I were actually just talking uh, off air before we started recording this and uh, SI do not uh, really they decide like not to use that many uh, outside non-SI uh, photographs because they cost money to them I've not like Matt said as well like I've not seen that many great photos from Sochi it's been quite bad which really is not a good thing because in events like this you should really have your top-notch guys and they should be producing top-notch photos and that's what we should be seeing but we end up with like one of the links that I put up on Facebook, uh, the, our Facebook page, really just disastrous, disastrous photos that are only there because there's a winning goal or it's the the guy go crossing through the uh, the finishing line and all that kind of stuff. It's really, really bad stuff. So this is by Jed, who me interviewed, um, I don't know, probably a year ago, maybe even more than that. And uh, I think it's Mogul or it's some kind of like a jumping event. It's a ski jumping event. And what is good is that it's lit up by four lights and four corners. There's a lot of space. Compared to like some stuff that we've actually seen in the past, like for instance, the um, there was one picture on our Flickr group page that's been posted. And it's uh, the skier going down a mountain. You can see all the, 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 the snow behind him and whatnot. But he can't even see the actual skier. Like, it's like, what's the point? Like, I don't see anything but just like this plume of um, uh, just, I don't know, snow. And that's it. But this one, you can clearly see what's going on. If I'm going to nitpick, I wish he, the, the skier was doing something a bit different because he's not really just kind of doing like just nothing really. He's doing some routine, but we can't really see it. But the rest of the photo, I think, is absolutely, absolutely great. 
um, plain background, the back is a bit cloudy, and the four stadium lights, um, you know, shining, and you can see that uh, it's really, really great composition, I think. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I like it. I think that it's it's because it's so different from how most people shoot this kind of event. Like, the, you know, we, <laughs> we had some snowboarded ski photographers on like a year ago or something, mm. and it was, you know, basically they're just shooting landscapes of that there happened to be a, a skier in them. And then the, the jumping ones are how wide can you get so that you can show the lip of the super pipe or the jump and how high they got because the, the athletic part of it doesn't matter. It's just how much air did they get mm-hmm. or whatever. And then you need to have like this trees and mountains in the background. And I just, it's, it's just on the borderline of even being sports photography at that point because you're de-emphasizing the sport all almost all the way. This I really like because so there are cues in it like the you don't get if you didn't if this didn't have a caption so you you didn't know that this was from the Olympics you would know that it was a big deal because they don't light things like this with these kind of lights like these are heavy duty stadium lights. And they're very close together, all four of them. And so you would know just that visual cue would tell you this is from the Olympics or it's from a really big deal. So I really like that. I like the that he's right in the middle of all four of them so that the lights are, it's almost like spotlights mm. on him. So this is really good. I What we were talking about was that it just seemed like everybody, I don't know if, who, I think we might have posted it, but it was really, everything had to do with speed of how fast you could get your pictures on the wire. Getty was bragging about it and AP and Reuters and everybody was, you know, we're laying all this cable and we have people that are ready to run cards and we have editors sitting at desks waiting to caption so that all this stuff can be on the wire in 30 seconds. And, you know, whatever. I get that speed for their clients is what they're looking for, but it doesn't make, just because you got a Swedish picture onto the wire faster than somebody else's Swedish picture doesn't mean it's good it's just a picture that more people had access to quicker and you know that's the way things are going to go it it is going to be how how quickly can you get your picture out and how many you know because the first one that goes on twitter is the one that's going to get retweeted a lot but you know that's not what we're concerned about it's not how i shoot it's not how ryu shoots it's really not how jed shoots which is why this is one of the better pictures that we've seen but i really don't remember an olympics where there were as many or a lack of his of good pictures as there were from this one. I just saw way too many spectacularly average pictures, and all you need to do to find them is keep scrolling on the slideshow, and you'll see a lot of them. And uh, on that very happy note, once again, this will be the end of uh, Cross Counter. Hope you enjoyed this. And with that, we end the thirty seventh episode of Big Lens Fast Shutter can't do this without you my wonderful listeners and obviously rob with two bees who is instrumental in editing everything that we do even if you're not as evil as matt cohen please go to our facebook page and like us so just go to facebook and look for big lens fast shutter you'll be able to find us uh, better yet do that and uh, subscribe to our blog at biglensfastshutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits and if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes. And obviously, if you have that dollar in your pocket, or Bitcoin as Matt said, please donate to us. To recap, Facebook, blog, iTunes, and donate. Rinse, repeat, love us more. See you next month.